When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, any where and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Mason Avenue's My Link Podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin and Thomas Anderson. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Pretty good. Excited for baseball. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it would happen, but here we are. All right, so promote extend trade, and tomorrow is March 15th. And a lot of important things have happened on the Ides of March over the course of history. But, of course, the most famous thing that happened was Julius Caesar being assassinated. And he had a pretty good run as a, as a military leader and a Roman consul and obviously a dictator. Um, but you could say that his career was cut short due to injury. So what Met players are we going to promote, extend, or trade who had – careers that were cut short by injury. First is David Wright. Then there's Johan Santana. 
And last but not least is Doc Gooden. And that's not fair. You put David Wright in there. Yeah, Wright's got to be the the extension or the promotion. Okay. Yeah, like he's the best position player of all time. He's, he's David Wright. <laughs> for, the Mets, for the Mets. But yes, because he goes in the Hall of Fame if his career is extended. And yay. I mean, sort of the other two probably, but. So it comes down between Santana and Gooden. I think... I respectfully decline. Yeah. <laughs> nope, can't. I don't know. Jeez, that's a tough one. I'm going to go Gooden over Santana. Probably, yeah, because he was a Met more than a... Like, if you extend Johan Santana's career, he goes into the Hall of Fame as a twin, so... Yeah. Yep. Also, Doc's peak which was also the start of his career, was better than anything Johan ever did. Like, Johan was real great. Yeah. His best season, not that I'd like to use war as, like, a super barometer for pitchers. Yo- Johan was really good. He never did anything like what Doc did in 85, or even really 84, uh, for that matter. Um, and at least from a war perspective... He was never as good as Doc was in 88 or 90. Um, so I think I think it's got to be right, Doc, Johan. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. Consensus. It's nice to have consensus. Not too often. That's a, that's a wild one, though, because, like, mm-hmm. this is, like, big no offense to Johan here. You know? Like, I don't, right. I don't like, disparage Santana. It's just unlucky for him to be in that scenario because... Like, just goddamn, Doc was, you could have put him up with Seaver if he stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. Just like, because yeah. we talk about with DeGrom, how good of his seasons are, and we're like, was it better than Doc's, like, 85, you know? Like, that's how good he was. Like, we and never my, on Santana in that way. My hot take is still that uh, David Wright should go in the Hall of Fame because I have a, uh, at least by my Hall of Fame philosophy, when... Uh, when there when there's this sort of outlier in injury situation, I think that merits uh, can, uh, uh, something of an exception, right? Like Hope it's one thing of mind for that. Yeah, exactly. It's like and and to be clear, David Wright was not the player that Sandy Koufax was. Like, no, no, no. I'm just saying like that type of thing. Like right. And and I think like it's one thing if you just kind of break down like oh my back hurts or my hamstrings are keep tearing right. Like, that's one thing. But when you have a uh, a diagnosed, very rare in terms of the onset age, uh, degenerative condition like what Wright had, I think that merits a uh, uh, extra consideration to say, yeah, like we could pretty reasonably say that under more normal circumstances, this guy's putting up another ten, fifteen war and going to the hall on the first ballot. Yeah, so you could kind of infer the rest of his career because mm-hmm. there was no reason to think he would have been bad, like. He, of course, he would have aged and been a little worse, but like he would have gotten everything he needed to to go into the hall if he stayed healthy. The last, I mean, the last two two times he played basically in fifteen and sixteen, it was only a hundred and it's only forty games basically, but one thirty two weighted, one nineteen yeah. weighted. He was really good in twenty. Damn, like I don't even. David Wright finished his career with a one thirty three weighted. Like the dude is a fucking. <laughs> Really good at baseball. Yeah, I wish I wish younger me had appreciated it more. I didn't know enough at the time. 
And also, so like, he's kind of there forever. Yeah. Man. I mean, with the DH coming, he might have still been active. <laughs> like, there's like a non-zero chance he would have DH'd for the... Because how old is he now? 30... Oh, 50, I was looking at Doc Good. I'm like, David Wright is 57? That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> no, David Wright is 39. Like, he could have maybe been a one-year like, left. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Uh, so like get to 3,000 hits or some shit he like that. He might still have been a better third-base defender than J.D. Davis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, that's 39. not even. That's crazy. At, at least for me, the I wasn't particularly upset when the Mets lost the 2015 World Series because I never expected them to be there, and it was a great run. And I'm like, yeah, this was this was enjoyable. I wish it had been better. The only aspect that upset me was that it was Wright's chance. Yeah, that was yeah. that was it. That, yeah. that that that's to me the most upsetting aspect of that. Yeah, loss. that was it. Hmm. Especially with that home run he hit in the first inning in whatever game that was. Mm-hmm. Three, fucking, right? Or four? So. Something like that? No. Majestic. It was at home, so it was three or four. Yeah, but I think it was the first one because they won that game. So mm-hmm. I think it was three because they lost the first two in Casey. But, man. He was he was still good in 2015. Like, he was an integral part of making Absolutely. that It's like... He was. He didn't have the greatest playoff in the world, but also it's a small sample size and it's playoffs. And but he, you have Especially to get there. when you get routed in four or five games. One of the best. I mean, my favorite still or GIF from the entire 2015 season is in one of those games in Washington where oh, the day game. Yeah, Cespedes hit that double and Wright scores from first, and he's just doing this like as em- emphatic a fist bump as he's scoring as possible. It's like, yep, that that was this season, and this season was for you, and I ho- wish we had finished it. Yeah. Yes. Well, now I'm depressed. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's what this show does to people. Yeah, it does. What a being a Met fan does to people most of the time. <laughs> and also talking no about listens. their minor league system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also depressing. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, maybe something to uplift the spirits. Our way too early draft update. Um, my first guy, Chase Deloiter, he did not play at all this week. You guys might remember he got hit by a pitch in the in the head in the top of the first inning last week's uh, Friday game, I believe, and then he crashed into the outfield ball in the bottom of the second, like literally minutes apart. So he hasn't played in a week. There's no updates on his status. Um, but it wasn't reported that he was concussed or that he broke anything, so I guess we will see. Uh, missing a week, though, it, it kind of is starting to, believe it or not, go into like considerable uh, missed time territory, because James Madison, his school, they only play like 50, 55 games, mm. and, you know, they've, they've played about 20, so... College baseball season's short. Yeah, yeah. For certain, especially the smaller kind of uh, smaller schools. And then my other guy, Landon Sims, like we talked about last week, he hurt his elbow, so that was another easy one for me this week. Not happy about it, though. Um, He did undergo an MRI on his UCL last week. They're getting second opinions, so 
no news, but regardless of whether or not he's going to need Tommy John or not, obviously it's a major blow to his stock to the point where uh, mid-first-round selection is basically out of the question. So, yeah, more, more, more happiness, I guess. You've made your job as easy as possible, Steve. Yeah, so, um, Paul, do I get to pick someone else here? Because... I would say if Delauder misses more time, I think you should get to pick someone, yeah. Okay. Or if Sims presumably does not pitch again this year. Mm-hmm. All right, so I will hit the books and have someone new next week then. All right, uh, Lucas, Brock Porter and Dylan Beavers. So Porter still hasn't played last time I checked because they start baseball quite late where he is at. Um, so no Porter update. Uh, Beavers did not have a good week. Oh, boy. Um, it was actually quite frustrating to watch because he started this, they played Florida State, which is obviously a baseball powerhouse, and he started off against two tough lefties playing quite well, like didn't strike out, uh, had a couple hits. I was like, yeah, this is progress from him. And then on the sixth, which I guess is the Sunday game of that series, he struck out three times in five at-bats and... Uh, basically this whole week, he, uh, his average has gone from 316 to 267. So, not so good. Uh, they've been playing Arizona, another major baseball powerhouse over the last couple days. Uh, he did homer today, along with two hits. Um, the strikeout rate's creeping back up a little bit. Um, not to disastrous levels, but 16 strikeouts and 60 at-bats. Uh, I can do math in my head, like 4 over 15, still about 25, 26%. Um, I mean, look, it's, like, his BABIP this week is also, like, 100, so to make of that what you will, uh, just not a great week. I'm not out on him or anything, but we'll need to see more going forward. If he keeps doing this, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. All right. Thomas, Gavin Cross, and Brandon Barreria. Barreria. Gavin Cross has played, like, a few more games. He's up to ten games now. I think it was seven last time um, we spoke, so he's played a few games this week, and he is up to hitting 366, 458, 756. So he's having a good start to the season. Mm. Um, 756 works. Yeah, his wrist, obviously, whatever the wrist injury was, was obviously not a big deal because he has come out of it on the other side hitting like he normally would. And if he keeps hitting like this, I don't know where he gets drafted. Just I know his positional versatility isn't the greatest thing in the world, but he's not like a butcher in the corner, but also it's a corner outfielder. But also if you slug 700, you're going to get drafted somewhere high. You know, that's just that's just life. Um, How many Brandon, homers is he up to now? Oh, let me check. He is you don't have I didn't mean to put you on the it's only two, which is a surprise. But he has four doubles and three triples. So, which the triples are nice. He's actually pretty fast. Like he's a big guy. Like um, on Baseball Reference, he is listed as six three two fifteen, but he could move. You know, he's not like in that th- uh, Pablo Sandoval mold, mold of <laughs> big chunky guy who somehow moves. Yeah, like he's also like when you see him, he looks more football player ish. Like like a built guy, you know what I mean? Like, he's very clearly, like, he's a big boy, don't get me wrong, because 6215 is a big boy, but it's not, he's he's in good shape. Like, he's one of those. So, he's a guy I could see whoever drafts him. Obviously, this is going beyond the Mets, but he might not need much time in the minors. Like, obviously, he'll get some time to adjust, but he might be a one- or two-year guy before he's up, just because 
he's killing the ball in the ACC, you know, like, mm-hmm. and he's already t- 21, you know, so he doesn't need a million years in the minor leagues before he's up. But yeah, hopefully he's one of the guys the Mets pick just because that bat would be fun with the DH and rotating cast of outfielders and stuff that they kind of have now because their outfield's a little old. But yeah. And Brandon Berea has, has 14 innings pitched, a 0.49 ERA, three wins, and 25 strikeouts. So he is too good for high school. <laughs> Correct. Uh, opponents are hitting 132 against him. This is all according to Max Preps, which is a good website for uh, minor leaguers and not minor leaguers, for high school prep arms and stuff like that and prep bats. It's a good way to uh, see how they're going because it's it could get a little complicated to figure out where they are, you know, because it's not as publicizes the NCAA, obviously, they're not on TV or anything like that. But he's just, he's good. He has, his stuff is way too good for high school at 17. So he's just going to probably keep doing this all year like Andrew Painter did last year. Who is my pick? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right, Ken, last but not least, Jace Jung and Cam Collier. So Jace Jung... Um is currently hitting... Sorry, one sec. Uh, 337, 462, 697. So, uh... He's good. Another good slugging. How his brother needs his shoulders right now, Jesus. That would be cool. The Rangers third base depth chart is... No bueno. Uh, Tatooine level wasteland, shall it's we say? It's rough. <laughs> um, and then Cam Collier had a bit of a down week. Uh, he's hitting a, a measly 330, 455, 521. Uh, so we say, you know, trade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also, he's 17 playing against significantly older people. So that's really impressive. Like the the more I think about it, the crazier I think that is. Because yeah. like most high school kids would just be hitting like 150. You know, even good prospects would would be would have trouble. When is so his birth? A- when is his birthday? Do you have that offhand? Mm-hmm. Uh player profile maybe. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. I'm sure he'll be turning 18 before the draft. Oh, yeah. I Especially would. since the draft is now in July, so. Yeah, I would assume that he um is 18 before then. Still, either way, 17, 18. Hell, even a 19-year-old, even if he was an actual freshman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's still impressive. Like, mm-hmm. Like the 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 gulf of experience between him and everyone else, and the gulf of just like twenty two to or twenty one to seventeen is a lot, you know. Like or twenty even, it's you grow a lot in those eight in those years. You see it even in the minors, even guys bulk up and get stronger and stuff like that as their bodies mature. So, yep. can I make a correction on Jace Jung's stat line? Sure. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I was looking at the wrong page. He is currently hitting three fifty four. 500, 569. 500? Slight improvement. Slight Slight improvement. improvement. How many many homers does he have? Three so far. Three homers, three doubles, and a triple. Um, How many games? uh, 17. Mm. Okay. That's a little low on the homers, but... 
I think that's walked kind of... 17 times against 13 strikeouts. And, uh, like I've said the last few weeks with him, he's not going to see much to hit at all. Right. right. <laughs> no, no, I can't imagine. This that is one of those, I think this but... is a slightly weaker team than his brother played for two years ago or whenever it was. And his brother barely saw any pitches to hit. So. And this is one of those instances where we probably, if we had access to the data we have for some of the minor leagues and the major leagues, you'd see a big winger red around the strike zone in terms of his zone profile and his batted ball mix in terms of uh, line drives and fly balls and hard hit rates and pull rates would be muy bueno. Yeah, I wish we had all that data. I would say, though, it's so nice to see him not swing at all that. um, Yeah. No, that's a big thing. Um, like, that there's so only so much he could do, and it would be kind of frustrating if he's just like chasing everything out of the zone and not walking a lot. But it's nice to see him not press. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he he knows the situation. He's like, all right, if you're gonna walk me, then I'll take it. You know, like that's baseball, yep. and that's always at a, at a certain goal. point you need to trust the guys around you to, you know, do their part. Yeah, because he, I mean, I don't care how good you are. If you're getting balls all over the out of the zone, you're just not gonna really do anything with them if you keep swinging on them. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely a situation where, like, if he was, let's say, doing this in A ball or something, we'd be screaming our heads off, promote this guy. But oh yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, can't yeah, do yeah. that in college. Unfortunately, so. there's nowhere for him to go. Yeah, <laughs> like, sorry, man, you got to write it out for another forty games or something, and then we'll send you to Double A. <laughs> yeah, that does suck. <clears throat> but again, that's one of those things where you know the priorities of a coaching staff on a college team are are not the same as the priorities of a developmental staff on a, on a professional team. So if it helps you preserve your job by just walking the shit out of this guy, then you know what? So be it. All right. So um, obviously uh, some important news this week. Major League Baseball and the MLBPA came to an agreement, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but we have some more, not breaking news, but more recent news, more relevant news to discuss, and that is the fact that on early Saturday evening, um, I don't want to say it came out of the blue, because obviously people were working behind scenes to do all this, but it was not leaked or, you know... No scent in the wind whatsoever. But the Mets traded Adam Aller and JT Ginn to the Oakland A's in exchange for right-handed pitcher Chris Bassett. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So for anybody who really doesn't know Chris Bassett, who just kind of knows the name but not too much else about him, uh, Bassett was drafted Which, by the White Sox. To be fair, he's been in Oakland for <laughs> yeah, forever. Yeah. He was drafted by the White Sox, 16th round of the 2011 draft. He worked his way up the system for a couple of years. He made his professional major league debut at the end of 2014. And then he was traded to the A's after that season. And he was in Oakland for six years. And he posted a cumulative 347 ERA with 166 walks and 483 strikeouts, which comes out to a 2.9 walks per nine and 8.2 strikeouts per nine. Both pretty good. Only issue, though, is that in those six years, he pitched 526 innings, which if you want to just do basic average, you know, that's about 90 innings a year. But it's a little more complicated than that because a bunch of different factors. A lot has happened in the last couple of years. Um, He missed 2016, 2017, and part 2018 because of Tommy John and the rehab and roster process, all that kind of stuff. He had a leg injury in 2019. Obviously, COVID limited him in 2020. And then last year, he got hit in the face on a comebacker in August, and he missed the last month and a half. Oh, I forgot so. about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So saying he's injury prone is not accurate. Really, you yeah. know, Tommy John and that leg injury are the only non-freak things. Um, but I definitely do wish that he had more innings under his belt the last couple of years, especially because... The innings that he has pitched, they have generally been uh, pretty good innings. You know, he's, now, yeah, he's been me, really good for like three years now. Let me make yeah. a counterpoint to your very fair argument there, Steve. As a 33-year-old, I'd be concerned if he had more innings, right? That the cliff was closer, right? But his his arm is almost younger in a way because he hasn't thrown as much. So I'm less fair. worried about him like hitting a cliff anytime soon. Um like, there's been studies that you can, like, model out. It's not – I mean, there's definitely an age component, but uh, inning totals are arguably a better predictor of end-of-career decline for pitchers. So that is – bullets. How many bullets right. gotten you? Exactly, right? You can only throw a ball 95 miles an hour so many times before your ligaments kind of go, all right, enough of this bullshit. I'm, I'm out. You lose <laughs> elasticity, et cetera, et cetera. So – I think your point is fair. I might make a slight counter argument, but I don't. Either, both of us could be right. I mean, it's not. I'm not so much arguing in favor. I wish he would had pitched more. I'm just saying, like, especially with the next thing I'm going to uh, this Mets pitching staff is a pitching staff that there's a lot of. Uh, What's a good way to say this? They're they're <laughs> they're old, and we don't know when they're going to stop. True, and it, it could be imminent. You know, and it's not like he is a you know like a, a Marcus Stroman kind of guy where like he's been throwing a lot of innings, and you expect him to continue throwing a lot of innings. So I would say the last three years have been like two years ago was the COVID year, which was shortened, so right. you can't really knock him for the lack of it. Like, what, everyone, like no one threw a lot of innings that year. 130 in, in 2019 and, like, 150 last year or something to that effect. It's, it's 144 in 2019, 28 starts, 25 starts, 28 games. Then it's 63 innings, 11 starts in the COVID short in 2020. And then last year, 27 starts, 157 innings. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, 
like the, there's nothing wrong with a high 20s level guy for num like a high 20s starting guy like how many starts he has i did not say that correctly but you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> like if he gives you 27 starts it's fine you know what i mean like yeah 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 that's objectively a good thing as your number three because he's behind DeGrom and Scherzer where like sure Scherzer has always been healthy, but he's also old and DeGrom has had his injury things, but that's a one, two, three. That's real strong. That's going to be tough to argue, tough to fight against in, for anyone in any playoff series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So really the only thing I'm concerned regarding that's it. Well, let me, let me stop. I know, we were kind of talking about this very informally last night, and Lucas, you were kind of eh on the whole thing. Have you – do you still uh, feel very eh? So uh, by my own admission, let's say I was um, um, uh, not in a uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Not a very – You didn't have your spreadsheets in front of you is what yeah, you Yeah, sure. Let's put it that way. It was at a friend's birthday party and uh it was Understandable. late the, yeah it was late in the evening and et cetera et cetera. That said, uh I think and I'd love to hear Thomas's counter arguments to what I'm about to, to say here and, and Ken's as well, because I think they're both higher on this than I am. Um I'll I'll start by saying the cost is totally fine. I have no problem with trading JT Ginn, because mm-hmm. I think he's probably bad. And while I would have actually really liked to hold on to Adam Aller uh, he's the kind of guy I love hanging, holding on to as a lottery ticket. Uh, a team like the Mets really shouldn't be giving him an opportunity, and that's just kind of the opportunity cost of, of being a contender, right? You trade these. Yeah. You, 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 they don't. The Mets do not have a, a rotation spot or a, a ten, 10 starts to give Aller, right? And if your goal is to get one of the buys, you can't be doing that. So trade him to someone who also sees the upside. That's fine. And it's possible like he pops and is something real and okay. Like this cost of doing business. So if anyone's complaining about the prospect cost, I think they're wrong. Uh, but much like going back way back here uh, to the Tyler Clipper trade, I don't totally love the target, right? So way back when the Mets traded for Tyler Clipper, they traded Casey Meisner. I'm like, I don't give a shit about Meisner. Just why did they choose this pitcher? Um, and I'm certainly not that low on Bassett. Uh, there's a lot to like. Um, I know there's, since I've made those comments last night, I've learned a little bit more about like the less public metrics about his stuff. His team shifted wake, his vertical. Oh yeah. Angle, that's right, like his whole thing. <laughs> like, right. That That's like his big appeal. My thing with Bassett is, at least for me, he's certainly been quite good the last couple of years. He's been – to me, though, it only looks really like one year of, of really high-end production, right? And perhaps I'm underrating the 2019 performance, and the 2020 performance was short enough that just due to variance, the, the strikeout rate and walk rate weren't quite there. Um, to, to wrap this long rant up, this isn't the first guy I would have targeted – um, and if it turns out that Tyler Molly, for instance, gets traded at a similar cost, I think that would have been a better move. Now, if Tyler Molly gets traded for a, a prospect package that would have been commensurate with the Mets giving up Beatty or Alvarez or Vientos or wherever, uh, then yeah, this is probably fine. So I don't like dislike this. It just wouldn't have been my first choice is where I'm at. Or, or if Molly is traded at all now because they traded Gray. So 
Like that's a fair point. Sure. Like sure. they that might be instead of trading Molly, they might have gotten because they got mm-hmm. Chase Petty for Gray, so they might have just said we'll just keep Molly as the guy. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know what internal stuff happened with the Reds either, because I know the match targeted Molly first. Like, mm-hmm. that and came Gid out was too. part of that presumed uh, presume package. I would assume so. Like, yeah. I would assume that it was pretty similar and someone pivoted. I don't know who, but, mm-hmm. like, it's entirely possible the Reds did, and we, mm-hmm. the Mets were like, oh, okay, this is the next one. We might not never know that. So, we'll see why, who, if the Reds have Molly starting on opening day, I assume, <laughs> at this point. It uh, might still be Castillo, unless they trade oh, him. Oh, that's true, but I expect them to trade him. But, yeah. Like, um, I'm, not at, I'm not at a spot where I'm, like, giving this a C. It's just more like an A I guess. an A minus instead of an A plus for me. I got you. Because, like, Bassett is just, he's good, and he's good in a way that, like, I know the seam shifted wake stuff is popular, and I don't 100% understand it. But I think, like, the layman's term is, is, like, his fastball moves in a really weird way, and hitters don't understand how it moves, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's going from a, a pitcher-friendly park in Oakland to another one here. Not so – it's not as, as pitcher-friendly, but still. Like, it's not like he's going to Citizens Bank where it's a huge change for him. Sure, he's and, familiar in Citizens Bank Park. I know, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, with, also, with the Phillies infield defense, it's going to be hilarious when – he gives up 800 soft hit singles to Alec oh, Bohm at third oh, base. No. But Gregorius, you can't throw. And who's playing second for them at this point? Still Gene Segura? Or... <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, my God. Anyway. We're familiar. But, yeah, it's just like I think also you – while I wish they kind of addressed this before the lockout, I understand because they just went super in on Scherzer and they got him. The guys who are left for free agent pitchers are like, I would rather bass it over Kikuchi, and I would rather bass it over Cueto, oh, yeah. and I would rather bass it over pretty much anyone left. So, no, no argument for me there. So then, if if you factor in both of those things, you know what I mean. Then, and you're not giving up any of the prospects that you really value because I think even though they would trade Mauricio, they want to do it for someone really good. You know, I think they're saving that chip for someone a little better than this. So, when you factor in all all of that, I think it's fine because. I don't think they care about Gannon all too much. You know? Like, that's just, I think, the, the long and short of it. I think we were quite rosy in our assessments of Ginn, and I watched less of him than you and Ken and Steve did, but just looking at the metrics, like, a dude nice. who's supposed to be an SEC pitcher with three average or plus he pitches. Was very, very meh. Yes. Right. Meh is a very, great He wasn't bad. He wasn't bad, but he was just yeah, like yeah, no, like hey. I'm still pretty, I'm still pretty high on him. Like he was not valueless. I like him a lot still. I think he's going to be a, a solid pitcher somewhere, but but the but the at the, the end of the day, right yeah, exactly. It's like when you have Scherzer and Degrom, like you have the makings of the best top of the rotation in baseball with Scherzer and Degrom if they're healthy. Like that's it. That's like two of literally the best pitchers in the game. And if Bassett is as good as he's, as he's been, it might be the best rotation in baseball. And then, like, okay, cool. Let's win a – let's – who's going to beat us in a seven-game playoff series? You know? Like, that's <laughs> many, the goal. How many years in a row have the Mets had the quote-unquote best pitching staff in baseball? I mean, and sometimes it's happened. It's at least, yeah. like, like eight of the last ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I mean, and I know sure it's gonna be Thomas also likes to make jokes at Carlos Carrasco's offense, not entirely unjustifiably. And uh, IL stint when, et cetera, but there's still some, like, the last time Carlos Carrasco pitched a healthy season, he was a number two starter as well. Yeah. There's some, like, if this rotation totally pops, it's going to be fucking disgusting. 
And then, like, Taiwan Walker was really good for the first half and fell apart in the second half, which injuries and stuff. But if he's just an average pitcher as your four or five, yeah, that's, cool. That's better than almost everyone else's four or five. Perhaps also most importantly, the Mets now have, for the like first time um, ever, good starting pitching depth. Like, we've, yeah. we've uh, poo-pooed David Peterson and Tyler McGill to various degrees at different points, and... Trevor Williams is Trevor Williams, and Jordan Yamamoto's shoulder might be borked. And he is pitching, though. I will say he threw yeah. yesterday or something. Mm-hmm. So but his flow game is on point. Yes. Uh, right. But having those guys as like your sixth through tenth starters instead of your fourth, instead of fighting mm-hmm. for a fifth spot and then leaning on, I don't know, Harold Gonzalez or uh, similar names from years past, like the Josh Mets Walker. Have, Someone like that. Like, Josh Walker's now their 11th starter, basically. Like, they have objectively good starting pitching depth. Yeah. Like, Tyler McGill was, like, I'm, I have reservations about him, but he was good last year. Like, I can't argue that. And he's Definitely your sixth fine. starter. You know what I mean? He's your sixth starter. When someone has a little a blister or whatever and has to miss two games, McGill is starting, and he could win you two games easily in the middle yeah. of the season. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and then if something else happens, David Peterson has had good major league innings before. He's had bad innings too, but I don't like as your seventh. That's perfectly fine. I want them to get one more guy, but that's nitpicky at this point because I'm I'm quibbling over the eighth starter in the rotation. You know, like it's it's hard to get starting pitchers, and the Mets now have a decent amount of them, and that's nice. The only thing that I'm a little iffy on here, and it's also partially, if not the reason why the cost for obtaining Bassett was literally just JT again, basically, is the fact that he just has one more year. He's 33, and he has one more year on his contract. So, would you lock him up for another year to maybe a third with an option or something like that? I would be I would be happy if they if they did such a move. I don't think it would be too I, I would do 345, like, now. Yeah, yeah, that's fine with me. Like, just to lock in the window. The window's now. The window's, like, like the DeGrom opt-in, because if he's healthy, he'll opt-in, and they'll figure it out. Like, they'll probably guarantee some years to keep him around. And the Scherzer contract is, like, three years. Like, the window is now. Mm-hmm. So they need to figure that stuff out now. And if, they, if you kind of have Bassett along with them and you just have, like, the old guys rotation for a little bit who are still good, then... You just roll with the dice there, and then you figure it out after that. But he's also the kind of guy who takes that like with Merrifield deal, mm-hmm. where you like because Bassett effectively didn't he's making eight million dollars this year. Like right, and he's thirty three. He's going to hit yeah. free agency at thirty four. Teams don't pay for that anymore. It's not going to cost six. Uh, wait, I can count. It's not going to cost eight. He's not going to sign an eight figure contract in free agency, right? No. No, 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 no. And you can give him a, a deal saying, like, hey, man, you, you, at this point, you're just not going to get that real payday. We'll give you 50 million bucks to stick around for security. And I think he'd take that, and I think the Mets should do it. And that would be nice to just kind of have yeah. that stability, and then you could figure out the rest of the rotation after that. Because that's hopefully, if Allen's healthy, then he's a nice guy that, like, you could start figuring him out in a few years, you know? Like, and, like, maybe, maybe one of options. those. Right, yeah. maybe one of the guys we were just talking about, like Pops, at some point. Yeah, you never know. You never right. know. So, but now but you don't need left-handed ace Joey Lucchese. Oh, I forgot about Joey. Lucchese. Yeah, I forgot about him. You should be back by the end of the season, right? Maybe. 
I can't remember when he had it. Pretty sure. Yeah. Bring back the. But yeah, I mean, as as long as if there's if they are able to lock him in for uh, at least another year, I mean, however long, but one year, I'd be happy. I would say this is a a plus trade, whatever. Because, like I said, the only thing that worries me is like to see the Mets basically get screwed, like they got with Javi Baez last year, and and losing a prospect for ultimately something that doesn't move the needle and matter ultimately. If the Mets so to me, this is a little different than in, Baez, just because like I don't know, they were right, right. Well, some, out of it at the deadline, and it was a weird deadline, and the Mets needed another starter. Like they could not have gone gone into the season with the starting group that they had, and if they signed Cueto, I'd be like, come on, guys. Like, I love Johnny Cueto, and it would have been hilarious, but also I would have been like, all right, let's get serious. Like, who are you actually throwing out there to, to pitch, you know? Like, this right, is a full-season thing. It, I don't mean I, it in philosophy as of why the move is made as much as the effects after no, I get you, I get you. said and done. I also, Ken, you a really good point losing- in- Ken made a really good point in Slack that they could replace Skin really easily in this draft. Like, there's yeah, not... There, there's never a shortage of, um, you know, those guys. <laughs> like, And they have a million first-round picks, and I'm sure Conforto's going to sign and get them another comp pick. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, yeah. They, they have so, yeah, the... Yeah, I mean, we, we've obviously... Go ahead. Oh, it's just a... Go, go ahead, go ahead. No, because I was saying, they, they have the, the draft capital to just replace the arm with someone who's probably healthier, you know, like who's someone who isn't a year off of Tommy John and didn't look great coming off of it, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's another thing that they, even they might be factoring in. Speaking frankly, like Ginn is a draft failure, not in that he's not going to get to the major leagues, but when you draft someone knowing they're hurt and it's not an underslot situation. You're betting on more upside than anything we've seen from Ginn, right? So at least in my mind, and it's possible that maybe he does find that high end stuff. Too soon to say. I get. Well, let me rephrase. Yeah, I mean, right? I, I, if I, Ginn, if Ginn never shows that high end upside, which we've not seen yet, that is a draft failure in my view, right? That is a suboptimal choice. You could have gone with someone healthier or. More or someone younger and cheaper. Like there's, you could have gotten more value out of that pick, is what I'm saying. So, this is this is not an, an irreplaceable asset. No, uh, two things, two things. One, definitely, it's not. He's not an irreplaceable asset. It's not like this is a Casmuir for Zimbrano situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the same, uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, I'm hearing a lot of Ginslander here. <laughs> he's. He was he was fine. He was in Brooklyn. He was decent. You know, the biggest thing was like he didn't have the oomph on his fastball that he was supposed to have, and that's something that might come back. His slider in the couple of games that I saw him, it looked pretty good. Again, he was facing hitters that he probably should be getting out anyway. That probably haven't faced that kind of breaking ball before, but. For a guy who had come back from Tommy John surgery a couple of weeks prior, it was fine. The changeup, like, it wasn't really there, but, you know, again, that's why he's in the minor leagues and not in the major leagues. It's something that he still needs to learn. He's, For sure. 
not an untalented guy. There's plenty of talent. I think he's going to have a big league career, but he's definitely not irreplaceable. I think he's probably going to be like yeah. a back end of a rotation guy for a team. Yeah. He, and that's fine, but I would also trade when, that for a good starter now. When you're trying exactly, to win a World exactly. Series. When, when he was... When he was drafted, we expected if everything broke right, he would kind of be a mid-starter, mid-to-back-end guy. And I, I don't feel like that has changed. I think that he will. But like you said, you know what? Why why cross our fingers that everything goes right and he develops into that when we could just get that right now? And also, like, this, it's it's also what, where you are in your window here. Like... I said mm-hmm. before, the Mets need to win that. Like, the, the Mets window is now. Like, the division is getting worse. Freddie Freeman right, m- might go to L.A., and that leaves the Braves kind of in a – unless they get Matt Olson and kind of kind of replace him. Like, Olsen's worse than Freeman, but obviously he's still very good. Like, the the division is there to just be the Mets's for the next few years. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't let a potential back end of a rotation guy in a depth – in a swing, not a swing guy, but like a up and down fifth starter type, get in the way of getting a right. very good pitcher. So kudos to them. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I, mean, I kind of thought this was going to exactly. be a bigger. They, I thought it was going to be a bigger prospect haul when I saw the name first. I was like, ooh, I don't know who yes, they gave up for 100%. him. I was a little worried. That's why my first reaction, my first reaction was like, <sighs> yeah, I was just like, I, I like Bassett, but I hope was. it wasn't like McNeil or something because they don't have the offense to replace that, or if the A's were being weird. But no, the A's were just salary dumping an eight million dollar player because um, that's the their lot in life. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, um, no complaints. No complaints for me about all this. All right, and now the other um, news is Major League Baseball is going to be. Starting the season on time, minor leaguers that were on the 40-man are probably not going to miss any time now. Uh, we talked about them last week. Mets had a bunch of guys that were added to the 40-man roster to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. And missing, at the time, we, we figured prolonged time because of a lockout, it would have been a very inopportune time for most of those guys. And now I doubt that most that, that anybody is really going to miss any any time. Maybe the pitchers might miss like a week or two, you know, since camp has been going on for a week, week and a half now. But the beginning of the season is usually weird in that regard anyway, and pitchers pitching the cold and still yeah. building up stamina and whatever else, roster movement. So nobody's going to be um, impacted developmentally because of what happened. So it's good. Um it's and also like they, they the won some things. Draft. Yeah. Uh, Rule 5 draft got canceled. It was supposed to happen in December, but it got postponed. Yeah, and then last week we heard rumblings that a bunch of teams wanted to, to uh, postpone it or possibly cancel it. And sure enough, now it's official. And kind of going to be interesting to see how MLB handles the Rule 5 draft next year because the 2023 draft technically would have twice the amount of players that would normally be eligible. They'll have any holdovers who are still not on uh, the 40-man roster, plus anyone who is uh, eligible next year. So, um, Yeah, that's a good point. We talked about this. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we'll see. 
Um, in terms of the Mets, we've mentioned, you know, a couple players were in our top 25 that were uh, unprotected. Number 11, Hayden Sanger. Number 18, Hayden Josh Sanger's Walker. Hayden for nothing. <laughs> uh, 18, Josh Walker. Number 20, Brian Matwire. And number 23, Carlos Cortez. And the odds of any of them being selected were, you know, pretty slim. Not going to say zero because you never know, but pretty slim. Basically, their attractiveness to other teams went in that order, too. You know, Sanger being a, a solid defensive catcher in double A, there's, there are, you know, you could stash a guy like that on a roster, play him once a week, whatever. Um, Walker being a, a cromulent lefty, solid, unspectacular season in the upper minors, you could put him in a bullpen. Um, Matwire, you know, a low minors guy with insane movement on his cutter, his curveball, but no idea where it's going. He's the kind of guy, you know, you just pitch him in blowouts, whatever, if you really like him. And Carlos Cortez, I don't know. He has no redeeming qualities to me, but whatever. <laughs> Someone could have liked him, maybe. But, yeah. Um, so, everyone on the roster is good. Oh, excuse me. Who was not on the roster <laughs> is good. And the Mets did have a spare spot on the 40-man. And they could have made a pick if they wanted to and then added him to the uh, 26-man roster. I mean, obviously, now they have Bassett. So it's full, and the draft has been canceled, so it doesn't really matter. But we did all this work and effort weeks and months ago when the draft was supposed to take place, and I'm not going to let all of our effort go wasted. So what guys were you interested in seeing? I have if a the Mets weird... did have... Uh, yeah, sure. I have a weird one given their current roster construction. Like, I've ranted a little bit about... And by a little bit, I mean a lot, about how they should get rid of Dom Smith for, like, basically whatever, because he doesn't fit the roster. And also, I don't think he's very good. Um, but the guy I want them to pick is a left-hitting first baseman <laughs> outfielder named Ryan Noda from the Dodgers. <laughs> um, so Noda actually was an older draft signing by the Blue Jays. He was traded to the Dodgers in that Ross Stripling trade a couple years back. And he's just, like, obliterated every level of the minor leagues he's been at. Plate discipline, power, some strikeouts, but not an absurd level. Is he actually good? I don't know. Is he someone that I'd gamble the last spot on the bench? Like, bring him into camp and gamble that he can win that last bench spot over Cano or whoever else? Hell yeah, I would. This is Um, such a Lucas player, it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) here's stats from AA last year. 250, 383, 521. That's a 140 weighted runs created plus. 29 homers in 475 plate appearances, 16% walks, 27% strikeouts, roughly. Like, he's going to strike out, going to hit, probably a platoon bat, but I think the power and plate discipline things are real, and like that's better than what I think Dom would put up. Like, I, I he might already be a better hitter than Dom, but um, if you can, basically, if you could cycle Dom out for anything and replace him with a sim, sim, someone in the same mold who has... I would argue more uncertainty and therefore more probability distribution above Dom. Uh, I would, I would do that. Hmm. It's also an organization right. uh, where like you're taking a guy from the Dodgers who won't ever really use him. You know, like, exactly. He's right. just kind of stuck right, in right, purgatory right. there in LA. Just we don't really know how good he is in the major league level because he just they, there's too many people there. He won't ever get a shot. Mm-hmm. Like. 
so a, a team with less depth is going to have to kind of get them out of that situation. That's kind of, kind of hap- that's kind of what happened with the uh, JD Davis that we got him. Yeah, exactly. That's a Just that's a really great had point. no opportunity in in Houston. Yeah, like he was stuck there because of how stacked Houston was, and the Mets saw um, an opportunity with his like his underlying numbers. And I mean, to say it didn't work out is I think they should still trade him, and he wasn't as good last year as he was before, and he can't really play defense. But that's a good trade for the Mets, object all told, because he provided more major league uh, help than pretty much anyone else is going to give them for that price and that money. And then if they trade him for another option, an optionable arm or something, then it helps the roster again, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thomas, who are you looking at? Um, I was looking at, so I went in a different direction where, because the Mets bench to me is um, interesting. Cause right now I don't think this will be the bench come opening day, just reading the tea leaves with the rumors and stuff like that. But the bench right now is like Guillaume, J.D. Davis, Nito, uh, Dom, whoever doesn't DH, Dom. and yeah, like a fourth outfielder to be named later. Like there's literally no fourth outfielder here right now. And so I took, I would be taking Samad Taylor, who is a Blue Jays prospect. He is. A I tiny, love this. Yep, you know exactly where I'm going with this, right, Lucas? Yes. Um, he's only five ten, one sixty, so he's small. I don't think he's really gonna hit much, but. You don't need him to because he plays literally everywhere and he's fast. So with with the world of the DH now, where you don't really need a pinch hitter, you don't you don't need everyone on your bench to be able to come into a game and swing the bat and hit in the thirteenth inning maybe or something. Like you could theoretically just roster a defense only guy. You know, like Luis Guillorme, as much as I sometimes mm-hmm. slander his hitting, is not a defense only play. Like he could hit an empty two ninety three hundred with some walks and yeah. be like an okay offensive contributor for like two or three weeks when someone gets hurt. But as Samad Taylor, who he swiped 30 bags in the minor leagues before he, he's never really hit like crazy. Um, last year he hit, he did hit very well last year, 294, 385, 503. So like to say he has no offensive ability is wrong. That was in double a at 23 years old. But even if he's the whole point of a rule five guy is you'll be able to hide him. And I think you could be able to hide a guy like this on your roster with the DH, considering how fast he is and considering he's logged time at second, short, third, center, and left field. And so when you have that type of versatility, and he's already 24, so it's not like he would be out of his depth to be in the majors right now, um, you could theoretically get away with a guy hitting a low 200s if he could run and he could play defense everywhere. Because you could use him as a late-inning replacement because you don't need to pinch hit everyone on your everyone on your bench you don't need those guys like we've talked about that before how the dh could possibly change your bench the way it works because a guy like dom who's supposed to come in and hit a tough righty out of the bullpen is not really necessary because you have a dh and you have all this other stuff there so i would like to see the mets do that just to really beef up their depth like their depth and their flexibility on their bench and that's what something i would look at Punching the air right now. Right? It. That would be so awesome. <laughs> I love it. Here was another name I'd considered. Because it'd be so fun just to have, like, it's right. like a, he could just stay in the majors and hit, have, like, three at-bats. <laughs> yeah. And 800 <laughs> stolen bases. It'd be awesome. That works for me. All right, so we have a bench power bat. We have a bench uh, 
defensive replacement stolen base specialist. Ken, who is your guy? Uh, I'm going the traditional route uh, with Tim Kate, a left-handed pitcher from the Nationals organization, uh, solely because I, I saw him a little bit at, when he was at UConn and thought he might have some utility, and uh, left-handed relievers are typically the stickiest. Yeah. So, went real boring with it. <laughs> but that's also probably the most useful use of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, yeah, I guess it's pragmatic. And they need a lefty. I don't. I literally don't. Yeah, think like, like right now, you could either throw David Peterson in this role and then stretch him out if you need to, or you can take a near carbon copy from the Nationals. So, <laughs> might, might as well mis- steal from the Nationals, make them worse. Am I misspelling his name? Wait, am I just stupid? I'll figure this You're out. A very like, smart I, individual. I, I'm, I'm like well, having a stir. I can't find him on fake graphs. <laughs> it's okay. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, this this is the, I mean, this, right. this guy's much more likely to stick than either mine or Tom's. Oh yeah, so. yeah, because there's yeah. a chance both of our guys hit 150, and you're like, uh-huh. right, I gotta uh-huh. go. And are striking out 40 percent of the time, yeah. literally. So yes. And, uh, I, uh, my guy, yep. no, go ahead. Uh, my guy is, I'm taking a little bit of aspects of everybody's. I'm taking your 50% strikeout rate and Ken's left-handedness. So basically I said to myself, all right, mid-season last year, the Mets outfielder, Adrian Hernandez, he retired. So why not replace Adrian Hernandez with, Adrian Hernandez. Oh, no, is this another AJ Alexander Hedder. Ramirez situation? We don't need another it one is, of these. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Toronto Blue Jays left-handed. Oh, no, actually, he is a right-hander. I'm sorry. Damn. Oh, well. But um, Blue Jays reliever, Adrian Hernandez. His middle name is Ulysses, though, so that's pretty awesome. Okay. going to say. But he pitched three levels in the Blue Jay system last year. Low A, uh, Dunedin, High A, Vancouver, Double A, New Hampshire. He posted a 274 ERA in 61.2 innings over 31 games. He allowed 30 hits in total. He walked 29, which is a little higher than you want to see. But he made up for that by striking out 108, which is a 15.6 K per nine. He's 5'10". He weighs 170 pounds. His fastball sits in the high 80s. So what the hell is this guy doing? He has a plus plus 2300 RPM changeup. All right. He's Caesar Light. I like it. I like it. He he throws it about 50% of the time. In the recorded data that we have on, you know, the individual pitches themselves, his changeup has about a 50% whiff rate. It, it, it moves like a... It's just a thing of beauty. And when guys are facing Max Scherzer at 100 and DeGrom at 100 and Walker and Bassett and Carrasco at like 95, then they face this dude and it's lights out. I, I quite like this actually. Oh yeah. Those short guys often have really nice fastball properties just due to being so short. If they get 
like normal rise on their fastball, it's coming from such a lower slot that their vertical attack angle is much flatter. So that that might be playing a factor here as well. Or they're like Riley Gilliam, where that doesn't oh, happen. Sure. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> it gets smashed. Not every <laughs> short guy. <laughs> I, I'm imagining poor minor leaguers who've like never seen a good changeup face this thing, and they're probably oh. like, what in the world is this? He's a witch! Yeah. <laughs> Burn him! This is like Carlos Cortez, but like actually interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if he, if he pitched his fastball with one arm and then his change it up with his other arm, that would be Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> That'd be certainly very strange. And also illegal because there's you have a guy to in the choose, draft that's an M. You have to choose um uh, uh, right. one hand yeah, for an at bat. Right, right. So you'd have to throw only fastballs or only changeups. <laughs> that might not work so well. The Pat Vendit rule. There is a guy in the in the draft that is legit. Uh, what's his name? Uh, a legit ambidextrous pitcher. I'm I'm hoping so badly that the Mets are able to select him because. The, the possibilities are endless, and he's an yeah, ambidextrous pitcher, and he's a legitimate ambidextrous. Yeah, it would just be fun to have. And that the best part, system. so he's a an ambidextrous ambidextrous pitcher, and I can't pronounce his name, which is even better. His first name is Durangelo, and I believe he is from like Coruscant. Oh, yes, is this he the is guy like Juggalino or whatever? Yeah, that guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. It's. It's spelled C I J N T J E. So however yes. it's pronounced. And he's also five foot he's also five foot eleven. I thought you were gonna say five foot. I was like, oh wow, okay. Jordan Yellow T G Shit. Well, I'm hoping that he does uh I'm hoping he doesn't go to Mississippi State. I'm hoping that he gets drafted and has a long professional career as whatever he is. But yeah, any of those guys, if they were drafted, would have improved the Mets. But we'll see. Hopefully they, next couple of weeks, are active. They're said to be active. So hopefully they can make some moves, make some low-key, free agent signings, whatever, that improve the team. Yeah, they probably get, like, a reliever and some depth. So they need a fourth outfielder, like, desperately. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, they need to move Dom, because right now yeah. the bench is full, and he just but doesn't make sense on this roster. Yeah, that's... Or JD. Um, either one, I'd rather move Dom, because I think JD has a little more utility, but I don't think Dom gets you literally anything. So I think they're yeah. going to end up trading JD for some optionable arm or something, and get a fourth outfielder and kind of... I mean, I'd rather give up a guy I don't think is good for nothing. Sure, that's fair. Than no, I, yeah, I, sell I, low I, I get on JD, but... I get what you're saying. I just... I don't know if the Mets agree with you, honestly. I mm-hmm. just have no clue. They should sign someone like Andrew McCutcheon or something. Like, a good fourth outfielder. But we'll <laughs> Trade see. for Kevin Kiermeyer and just let him play fourth I'd outfielder. I'd actually quite like... I would love that. I love Kevin Kiermeyer. See we'll if you see. can get a prospect from the race to eat the salary. Mm-hmm. 
Manny Margot, some shit like that. All right. Well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. <clears throat> you can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Swiper. Lucas is at Elvarhost343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Subscribe to the podcast or get your podcast from, rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.